everyone this is the podcast it's called two girls one ghost two girls one ghost and we are your ghostesses that's corinne hey and i'm sabrina and we are existing in our favorite time of the year it's finally october friends it's finally we wait all year for october <laughs> so happy about it thrilled uh, to be here best. thank you to my mom thank you to everyone who got me here Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm in New York. Well, I will be when this episode comes out and I will be enjoying crunching leaves and fall weather. What is the your favorite? It's kind of hard, but what's like if you can pinpoint your favorite thing about fall, what is it? Oh, this is really hard. Halloween and pumpkins and the smell of pumpkin spice and i'm not picking one and candy and friendship and like friendship. spooky mood <laughs> i feel like i get closer to people during the spooky like fall october season because there's just like so much fun stuff to do where it's like you go out and go pumpkin picking or yeah or there's a picking, lot of planned whatever. outings people are much more eager to say yes to things yeah and it's not like so, so hot in LA. So at least you can like go out and do mm -hmm. stuff and like wear sweaters, but sometimes still sweat in them. I don't know. I think my favorite part is in the morning when it's really crisp air. And there's mm. a certain smell. That smell is nice. It's such a good smell. Oh, I'm going to get that And smell. maybe 31 Nights of Halloween. Yes. What movie are you most excited for? I'm always most excited for Hocus Pocus. Yes. It's the best. I love it. Halloween Town great i don't know all of them practical magic wait i heard a rumor that practical magic they're making a remake are they but i could be making this up it might just be a dream that i had and i'm hoping it comes true oh my god but even the original is amazing so they don't need to but i think i heard that interesting practical magic keeps coming up for all of the october book read suggestions yeah oh you should read rules of magic which i think is the prequel to practical magic okay i it's will it's good i really liked it on my list right now, it's been sitting next to my bed for the past like week because I just haven't had time to start it. But I'm going to read Educated. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Everyone keeps talking about how great it is. My grandma doesn't really love like super messed up storylines. And this is a real book, something that really happened to this woman. Yeah. But she told me, she was like, it was so dark. It was so disturbing. All these things happened. And I said, perfect. <laughs> I got the book. It's it's also very inspiring because she's overcome so much mm -hmm. and made such a life for herself. I'm actually reading an autobiography as well. It's called High Achiever. It's similar. It's about a woman who got addicted to drugs. Not similar at all, but it's about a woman who like had to overcome a lot of adversity in her life and try to make a name for herself and become something more like she got addicted to drugs was in prison and like had to face the facts of like either you continue down this path and never go anywhere or you try to fight it and mm. become someone else i love those types of books. that's why the glass castle is one of my favorite <gasps> all-time books glass castle. it's just so good it's so good and it's like it reads like fiction it's almost so unbelievable and it, which makes it even right. worse to read because it's like i cannot believe someone went through this yeah every once in a while you have to stop and pause and say wait this actually happened yeah do 
a living person. I know. With so many witnesses. I know. And no interference. <gasps> oh, which well, no reminds me, there's a show on Netflix called Unbelievable, and it's it's hard to watch. It's based on a true story of this woman who, or she was like a young girl, she was like 16 or 17, who grew up in foster care and was raped one night and she reported it to the police, but everyone in her life was like, oh, she's kind of like in that phase of her life where she wants attention. I don't really believe it. <gasps> and oh. and then you follow the investigation from like these two female detectives who are working other rape cases that like you start to realize like she wasn't lying. It's all very similar and it's really sad. Oh God. I know. that's That would be really tough to watch. Yeah. It's like one book. I want to recommend it, but I also don't recommend it because it took me like a year to read it. And I don't know why I did this to myself because it's it? so horrific. But it is an autobiography, A Child Called It. Oh, I haven't seen. What is it? What's it about? It's by Dave Pelzer. He has a few books. But A Child Called It is his very first one. It is so incredibly upsetting. He was oh extremely gosh. abused oh. growing up. Like the most horrific things you could think of. Like if you think of, I, I don't know, I feel like some of the stuff that happened to him is stuff that I would envision being on the dark web. Like oh, it's that's just so, sad. so painful to read and to hear. But he made it. He's alive and he grew up to be a healthier person. Wow. Um, and he has a series of books. So it's it, the first one is A Child Called It, where really chronicles a lot of his abuse as he was younger and then the next oh one is gosh. about him being more of like a teenager and then the third one i think is called like a man named dave or something like that basically like him creating his identity as being as a person moving forward and who he wants to be and who he's going to be wow yeah i love how we started this episode like with so much excitement and like spooky season and now we've gone to like sad. so dark but they're also i mean it's real and, and this happens in the world and it's horrible but and they're also like very good books to read. But mm -hmm. another book that's good to read is The Last House Guest is what I'm reading right now. And it's like for the spooky season because it's like a little bit of a horror thriller type of thing. Ooh, The Last House Guest. You're going to have to text that to me because I will. It's good. I'll add it to my list. It's good. I'm also still finishing Pet Cemetery. It's hard to read a book with someone else because it takes a lot longer. What do you mean reading it with someone else? Nick and I are reading it together. How do you do that? Well, we're listening to it on Audible. So we like listen. Oh. But then it's like, you know, at night, it's like, do we watch a TV show or do we listen to Pet Cemetery? And then yesterday we drove to Pasadena. So we had like an hour and a half in the car. So we listened then, but it's hard to get the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because driving, you don't commute together to work. So it's like. But it's so you good. Have little time to do it. But it's, I think I've talked about it. Michael C. Hall narrates it and he just has the <laughs> creepiest voice. It's so good for this You know book. what you guys should do next time is you should take a turn each night. Someone else reads a chapter to the other person. That's what we did with Mr. Mercedes. That whole, we read three books like that. The Mr. Mercedes How trilogy. Did, go? did anyone put voices and? It went well. <laughs> oh yeah, we got into it. Would you, you be kidding? insulted if Nick fell asleep as you were reading? Nick? Are you, you not you entertained? <laughs> No, because I'm pretty sure I fell asleep when he was reading because it's late at night. That's yeah, what you do. I need you to spend more time reading. reading. I always tell myself I'm going to read right before I go to bed. And then I end up going on Instagram for 45 minutes and that's it. And that's bad for you because you're not supposed to be on your phone. I don't have a moment at work. It's not like 
I'm not on my phone I ever know. at all. Like I'll message someone back nine hours later and it's just on Me my neither. walking commute home. Yeah. And then otherwise I'm pretty much same <sighs> incognito. Yep. I have a permanent like 39 <laughs> unread texts on my phone and it just like gets more and more. I think the most I've ever had unread is like 120 and I just like went through and opened them all. I understand if it's a group chat, but individual, that's really, really bad. It's group chat. It's group chat. It wasn't. Then that's fine. <laughs> I don't have 102 friends. Are you kidding? Well, our friend Chase, Chase is like that. If you look at his text messages, it's like 239 that's individual unread texts. He's super popular. The most popular of everyone we know. The most popular. Um. Oh, one last movie. Nick and I went to go see It too. Oh, I need to go. And it's good. I really liked it. Bill Hader is hilarious. It's, it had a really good sense okay. of humor to it. I really loved it. Is the clown, is Pennywise in it? Watch. Yes, he is. Did you see what I tagged you in? No. On our Facebook page? I just gave you a whole spiel about how I don't go on my phone. There's a picture of pennywise and his like clown makeup and he's scary and then it's like uh uh-uh and then there's one right next to it of him like still in his clown makeup but his shirt's unbuttoned and it was like got his six pack and it's like okay okay yeah i see see now (laughs) oh that's so funny (laughs) i mean i did share with my new co-workers which probably wasn't the most appropriate thing to share but we were talking about the new it movie and i said the first it movie never scared me like so many people were absolutely terrorized from it and you know how like all the world was leaving red balloons in random places just to scare other people Mm -hmm. assuming everyone had gone and seen the movie i was like even the first movie didn't scare me that much because there were still pennywise the actor who plays pennywise is attractive enough we're still in costume there were certain looks certain eye twinkles where i was like hmm i think you're hot (laughs) he's a little bit more violent and scary in this one oh is he okay then i probably will change my mind and be regretful of what i just said it didn't like jump scare me neither did the first one but it it is like in fun movie to watch and i think it's hard because it is like a really long novel with so many elements of like supernatural and these weird kind of like creepy things that happen and it's hard to translate into a movie that's about a killer clown were you afraid of clowns growing up No. Me neither. Never was. No, my sister was. And then, so it made me laugh. I was afraid of (laughs) E.T. Oh, I know. But you did well on the ride when we went. Yeah, E.T. ride. Now, now as a grown up, I'm doing fine with E.T. But when I saw it when I was a child, I moved into my brother's room for seven years and my parents had to get bunk beds. So. Amazing. So funny. (sighs) Some things, that's going to be one of the challenges as a parent. It's like, what do you show your child that they'll love? And then what's just traumatizing that you didn't know is so scary? Well, you never know what they're going to react to. It's hard. Right. Like my brother hated, there was a a glow worm, like snuggly (gasps) toy. Yeah, I know what those are. Yeah. And he was terrorized by it. So anytime he would see the glow worm, he'd freak out. Oh. Yeah. So. They never showed him the glow worm, but I think on occasion as a party trick, I think my dad pulled out the glow worm. Oh, my God. Watch. I can make my kid cry real fast. That's so mean. I love it. <laughs> I'm saying that now. He's going to listen and be so upset because he's like going to say he's never done that. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm making assumptions, but it seems like something you do. Yeah. Hey, it's fine. <sighs> and then we also, one thing that my brother and I had that we both really liked was the Cabbage Patch dolls. Did you ever have those? Uh-huh. And they came with different scents. And I think that that's why I'm such a oh. scent-oriented person was because some of our favorite toys and stuffed animals 
had these particular scents that came out of it. So that was something we actually really liked. This is amazing is this freaking topic. This topic is the freaking best, but it's really scary because we don't <laughs> ever want to be a victim of a curse. I really liked that. Thanks. Sometimes I think maybe I should be a preschool teacher just so I can get away with really dumb, poorly thought out jingles. The kids would like it. You would be the best preschool teacher. Thank you. You'd be so much fun. If I was a preschool teacher, I would change my entire wardrobe so that I could dress up Miss <gasps> I was just thinking that. Dream. Maybe I'll be Miss Frizzle for Halloween. I don't know. That's a good idea. Yeah. I got to think about it. This is why we need everyone to message their Halloween ideas to us to help inspire us. All right, so we're doing curses. We're doing curses. All right. My curse is inspired by a project I did when I was 15 years old. I don't know why I had to do this video report, but somehow I was assigned it. And so I am going to do a particular rock that approximately 1.1 billion years ago was created deep within the earth in the upper mantle, carbon atoms put under immense pressure and heat formed a strong bond that eventually formed this diamond. And the diamond Ooh. was pushed towards the top of the surface during a deep volcanic eruption. It was embedded in kimberlite when the volcanic material hardened around this diamond. And then the diamond in and of itself, while there are plenty of diamonds out there in the world that are created in a similar fashion, this diamond was no ordinary diamond mm. because it was intermixed with boron atoms, which turned the diamond blue. And if that weren't enough to set this diamond apart, it was also extremely enormous in its size. It weighed about 115 carats. Imagine that on your finger. Whoa. Eventually in the 1600s, man uncovered this diamond somewhere in India and in the mid-1600s, around the same time, not long after it was, what do you call it? I was going to say harvested. That's not the right word for picking a diamond. Mind. <laughs> after it was mi minded. Mound. Mind. Just what? mind. Mind. <laughs> I swear I'm educated. <laughs> but sometime after that, there was a French gem merchant named Jean-Baptiste Tavernier who became in possession of this diamond and he turned around two years later and he sold the diamond to King Louis XIV. But then in 1791, the diamond was stolen, taken from its rightful owner, or I guess maybe Mother Earth is the rightful owner, but whatever, the, the human mm -hmm. owner. And then it was recut again and eventually named the Hope Diamond. Ooh. The Hope Diamond became the most famous diamond in the world. It was the inspiration behind the heart of the ocean diamond in the Titanic. Mm -hmm. And it also delivered much more than just beauty and awe and Hollywood glam. This diamond, the Hope Diamond, is cursed. And it has killed all who have tried to own this oh, diamond. my God. So why is this diamond cursed? Well, the diamond was never really meant to be owned by one individual. It was first, or they think that the first real interaction of this diamond in human hands was the result of theft. So rumor has it that Tavernier, or Tavernier, mm -hmm. or whatever, he did not rightfully buy the diamond. So there are rumors that he didn't just go as a, a gem merchant and find this diamond and rightfully pay for it in an, a proper exchange. He instead 
saw the diamond in the forehead or in the eye of a statue in India. And the statue was of the Hindu goddess Sita. Wow. And he was like, that's beautiful. I'm going to take it. And so he stole from this religious, sacred statue and took the diamond, stole it. And then when the Hindu priests discovered that the diamond was missing, they cursed anyone who owned the diamond moving forward. And then Tavernier was like, eh, I have a pretty good whatever. They can do whatever. Right. He probably didn't even know about the curse. But he had the diamond. He headed out. He eventually cashed it in for some serious money. And he sold it to King Louis Fourteenth, which also really helped with his reputation in, you know, having reputation, making a name for himself as a jeweler. Right selling this diamond along with many other diamonds to King Louis XIV, wow. who was also known as the Sun King. Mm-hmm. But what happened to Tavernier after is up for debate. So the rumor has it with this diamond is that so many believe that Tavernier was uh, soon overcome by this horrible fever and that he was actually in Russia when he died of this fever. And that after death, his body was just, I guess, out on the land somewhere and his body was torn apart by a pack of wolves so this might seem like okay well that's just like a horrible thing to happen to someone that's bad luck that's a one-time thing one-off like when is that going to happen to anyone else i'm not (laughs) saying that the hope diamond has resulted in people being torn apart by a wild pack of wolves but but you are (laughs) but in a sense yes because those who have owned the hope diamond or even touched the hope diamond have all met some sort of terrible end or had really really awful luck and this led to belief that the hope diamond is both both cursed and deadly so not only does it just curse those who own it but people who touch it as well which is really scary because if it's owned by many people then you know visitors who come in might touch it or people who are cutting the diamond or transporting the diamond etc there's a lot of hands that can touch one object even if it's only owned by a particular person so right. anyway after Trevernier sold it to king louis the 14th king louis was stoked he was like this is the sickest i own the biggest diamond this diamond is blue <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, sickest. to help bring out or enhance the brilliance of it, I believe he strung it uh, on a necklace that he wore around his neck, this like ribbon that he put around his neck, and he named it the Blue Diamond of the Crown. And King Louis himself was not, he was not excused or skipped over by this curse and this bad luck. So he was one of the first owners and he experienced some extreme misfortune. Mm -hmm. Four of his five children died at a young age and then King Louis himself died from gangrene, I don't even know what it is. It's a condition that occurs when the body tissue dies. It is caused by lots of blood supply due to underlying illness, injury, or an infection. And it is very rare. There are fewer than 200,000 U.S. cases per year. Great. Now I'm going to think I have this. I'm not allowed to learn about new conditions. (laughs) Anyway, so he died from that. Four of his five children died at a young age, and the diamond, after he died, was passed down through generations of his own family, and there was plenty of bad luck amongst those uh, people. But it was also worn by people outside of the family as well. So one such person was Nicholas Fouquet, who worked for King Louis Fourteenth, and Nicholas would wear the diamond on special occasions, so how nice he, you know was like, oh, how special am I? I get to wear the blue diamond of the crown, the coolest diamond in the world. I'm a cool kid. 
But mm-hmm. this turned out to be a bad decision for Nicholas because <laughs> shortly after, King Louis sentenced him to life in prison. They had this big falling out over something. I don't know. I didn't do the research. But he ended up being sentenced to life in prison. So that wasn't very lucky at all. It eventually uh, was put into the hands of Louis XVI and was worn by Marie Antoinette. And it is around this time that the diamond was stolen. Ooh. But while the diamond was in Marie Antoinette's possession, the curse is believed to have been put on her as well. So we all know that she was beheaded during the French Revolution. And perhaps that was the reason she died. But people like to say that the mm-hmm. Hope Diamond contributed, part of this curse contributed and led to the things that happened during the French Revolution and eventually her death. Um Princess of Lambe had also been in contact with the Hope Diamond and she had been in her life pretty close to Marie Antoinette and Marie Louis <laughs> experienced a very horrific death. She was actually, this is so gruesome, so a small trigger warning. She was attacked by a mob who hit her with a hammer. They stripped her naked. They disemboweled her. They decapitated her, etc., etc. Et a lot of just like <gasps> the worst things that you could do to a person. They were just absolutely oh enraged and took it out on her poor body and self as she was originally living in the beginning moments of that. So, okay, you might be thinking, all right, I get it. This diamond is cursed. But like, is it cursed? I don't know. In the time that it was being passed around, there's a lot of shit going on, a lot of horrific deaths. Death was common. Death at a young age was common. Many people died from disease and accidents and, you know, war, etc. And also all of the owners were at that time pretty high profile and maybe some targets to begin with, like Marie Antoinette. And I agree with you. That's all true. And if it were, if it ended there, then I might say, okay, this diamond isn't really bad luck. It's not really cursed. It just might be being passed around at a time where no matter who owns it, they're going to probably die, <laughs> which is dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the violence and the strangeness is... So then, remember I said around the time that Marie Antoinette had owned the diamond or wore the diamond, the diamond was stolen. So then a few, a couple decades later, this diamond reappears in London. And it's believed that it had been cut again by someone else who, who knows what happened to that person. But it appeared in different shape and and smaller carat size. So there's two of them now? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, something or somewhere. Multiples. Maybe someone has like little tiny blue blue diamonds in there. Well, those are probably cursed though too. Right? You'd think. A few decades later, it resurfaces and Willem Falls, he is a Dutch jeweler. He's then in charge of recutting the diamond. So now the diamond is this around like 45 or so carat shape. But Willem is soon murdered by his own son in a murder-suicide. So even though he's not even the owner, he's just recutting the diamond. He, too, has a just tragic and horrific death. My gosh. Henry Philip Hope then bought the diamond and he renamed it the Hope Diamond to build more of like a legacy and a name for his family. Have this beautiful diamond associated with his family and his wealth and his success. So the Hope family was no exception in they definitely felt the curse of the diamond as it was passed down through family. So not only did the Hope family eventually go bankrupt and lose all their money, 
but they also experienced a lot of tragedy. So when Henry Philip Hope died, the diamond was passed on to his nephew, Henry Thomas, who then got married. He had a daughter, but then he died somewhat young. He died at age 54 and left the diamond to his widow. And then his widow then died. Whoa. And then the diamond continued to be passed down. And eventually the, the family had to sell it because they were all experiencing like awful luck and going bankrupt. Like everyone who touched it either like died or had financial burden wow wow and so then the diamond continued to be passed around and then it was eventually owned by simon franker who ended up struggling financially it seems to be the thing it's like out of greed perhaps and status wanted this Mm -hmm. diamond so now that's going to be the opposite of what you get the result is not that yeah well when you try to like cut corners it's not gonna end up well yeah so he ended up struggling financially another owner was jacques collot he completed suicide prince ivan kenatovsky he was murdered by russian revolutionaries his lover mademoiselle Lawrence ladoux was murdered by him ivan prince ivan and simon moncharides he drove his car off of a cliff, resulting in the death of Whoa. his wife and his child alongside himself. Oh my god! So uh, these are just like, how many people did I just name? Five or six? And like, everyone had something yeah. awful happen. Damn. So then one of the last owners of the Hope Diamond was a heiress and socialite, Evelyn McLean. And she put the diamond both on herself and also on her dog. So... I don't think anything happened to the dog because dogs' souls are pure. So, therefore, they are um, skipped over when it comes to curses, I think. (laughs) I hope. But she hung it from her dog's collar. She was just having a good old time with her diamond. Uh, But not long after coming in contact with the Hope Diamond, she experienced great loss. Before the diamond, her life was described as being quite a charmed life. You know, she was like, had it going on, had a lot of money, had a lot of like wealthy peers, had a lot of fun, was always invited to everything, knew a ton of people, just a socialite and an heiress living that life, helicoptering around, taking that. What's that? A helicopter Uber? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, I'll never know what it's called because I'll never have enough money to take it. (laughs) You'll never really want to (laughs) because it seems scary. Anyway. But after the diamond, the bad luck and the tragedies just began racking up. She first lost her mother-in-law, who she had really cared for. And then soon after, her son died in an awful car accident at just nine years old. Then her husband left her for another woman. But then her husband, after leaving her, ended up being put in a mental hospital. And then her daughter died of an overdose, an accidental overdose from taking too many sleeping pills at age 24. And then she had to sell her family's newspaper due to all of the financial difficulties that had been put on the family. And this newspaper, guess what it was? It's still around today. What is it? The Washington Post. (gasps) Oh, wait, I I did know this. Yeah, it's, she's one of the more famous owners of the Hope Diamond. Wow. And then Evelyn herself, she died of pneumonia, and she had so many debts at the time of her death, and the Hope Diamond had been put into the, a trust for her children. So she like had to sell the newspaper, had to probably sell, I'm assuming, a bunch of other things, but held on to the Hope Diamond. Although I don't know why, because 
seems quite scary and seems like that would be the first thing that you'd probably sell is the most valuable thing the hope diamond right but she ended up putting the hope diamond into a trust for her children and i believe the trust opened they were able to access it at age 25 and as soon as they became old enough to access their trust they sold the diamond they're like done with the diamond and also don't probably blame them good money who would you rather have i don't know 200 million dollars or would you rather have a blue rock and also your life like 200 million dollars <laughs> and your life right So anyway, they sold the diamond to Harry Winston, and after owning the Hope Diamond for just nine years, Harry decided that he should no longer be in the possession of the diamond, nor should anyone else, and he shipped the Hope Diamond off to the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., which I've I've been there and I saw the Hope Diamond. It was really cool. Oh my gosh. I've been there, but I haven't been in so long. I don't know. I don't think I saw it. I'm sure you did. Maybe I did. I don't know. It's in the, the like gems and jewels section. Honestly, I have no memory from that time in my life, so I probably okay, did. I'm sure you did. It's in this like big glass case. Everyone always surrounds it. It's popular. You would yeah. amazing. I'm sure you did, although you probably don't remember. I don't yeah. think you go into the Smithsonian and not see the home diamond. <laughs> so I'm sure you did. So the mailman who had to deliver the diamond to the Smithsonian Museum, his name was James Todd. And though James was just the messenger, just like all the diamond cutters are just diamond cutters, he was not saved from the curse. And James's <gasps> leg was crushed in a truck accident not long after delivering the diamond. And then no. following that, he had a separate accident that resulted in a head injury. And then his house burned down. And then both his dog and his wife passed away. Oh, my gosh. And since the wow. diamond has been now in the possession of the museum, and that's where it remains, the curse seems to be put on pause. So perhaps it was more of the greed that had cursed the diamond, those those Hindu priests had cursed the person who stole it, probably out of greed and selfishness. So now that it's accessible to museum goers and shared amongst the public, maybe it's no longer seeking revenge on those who handle it because there doesn't appear to be much more that has happened. But the diamond is insured for about $250 million. Wow. Um, but it's doubtful that anything will happen to the diamond because we wouldn't want to reawaken the curse now, would we, folks? No, we would not, Corinne. To all of our listeners who are experts in museum heists and stealing <laughs> valuable gems and diamonds. Or our listeners who have $250 million to spare and just want <laughs> to buy a diamond. Oh, man. Yeah, so wow. that is the Hope Diamond. That's a lot of people who have died or been badly injured by that diamond. It's just so scary because I think when you think of curses, oftentimes you think, well, at least myself personally when i think of curses i think of more of like one individual being like i curse you and your family forever and it being passed down through through just like a a familial line or maybe a house or something like that but it's creepy to think that there's a diamond that for centuries has affected everyone who's touched it and owned it and now it just sits in a case where i don't i'm assuming like 10,000 people probably visit the Smithsonian every single day. It reminds me of like kind of like Egyptian lore and like the jewels and stuff that's in the pyramids. Yeah. Well, it is it is likened to uh, the curse of the mummy, like right. King Tut. Because it's like it's a sacred thing that's part of a burial almost. I mean, granted, we don't know the true origin of this diamond or where it came from or who it was stolen from, but it probably was a part of right. some... But it belonged to the earth 1.1 billion years right. ago when it was yeah, created. Yeah, but like if it became an item that was connected to a person and like it was buried with them or 
it was sacred, you know, it could have. Right. Yeah, we don't know until it reappeared and people started talking about it. We don't know where it was or or for how long. It's just thought to have been found or uh, mined in the 1600s. That's crazy. So scary. Guess I don't need any diamonds in my life. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Although you might have a diamond if you get engaged. And if you get engaged, you should probably, or if you're planning on it or thinking that you're going too soon, Sabrina, you should start doing some nice little finger lifts, some finger exercises, get yourself in shape so that you can handle the weight of your future rock. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I love this topic. We have to do it again because I there are too many things to choose from. I know. Okay. So when I was looking up curses, I found one. It was like a haunted phone number that is so terrifying. But then I started researching more in depth. And there are so many cursed and haunted phone numbers that I just decided to do like a bunch of them. And then I'll do a few like more in depth. There are so many. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just like it's crazy. And like some of them are still in operation. And like some have been taken out of circulation because they've just like caused so much havoc. Wait, really? Bad fortune. Yeah. So it's very much the phone number and less so the owner. Yes. I found a lot of this research on a website called Scary for Kids. And I just think it needs to rebrand a little bit and become horrifying and not for kids because no way in heck should any child be reading this website. Yeah. I feel like you've referenced them a few times. Yes. Are you finding all of your scary stories on Scary for Kids? No, we read a story, a listener story a few weeks back. And I think it was when I did, we did rituals and a girl had played a game that she had found on oh. Scary for Kids, which is proof that it's right. not good. Anyway, children should not be reading this website. It was so scary. At least the phone numbers. Well, anyway, a lot of them have. I don't know. Just don't do it. <sighs> Over time. <laughs> Glad I don't have kids yet. I'm going to be such a paranoid mother. So a brief little overview of haunted and cursed phone numbers, and then I'll go more in depth on some. As a warning, as always, please do not call these phone numbers. We are not responsible for anything you do. Just don't do it. Oh, so it's it's not owning the phone number. It's also calling. It's also <gasps> calling them. So the first one is no surprise. The number is 666-666-6666. And for years, people have been receiving terrifying messages from this number. So like out of the blue, the your phone will start ringing and this is the number that will show up on your caller ID. Oh, and wait. I think I've had that phone call and I'm pretty sure my mom has too. What? Wait, is that bad? It's scary. Okay, now I need to go. Okay, you keep talking, but I'm I'm going to go into my text messages with my mom because I'm pretty sure she screenshotted it once when it happened. I just hope it's still Oh my on god. This Wait, okay, this is please do. So Okay, so basically the idea is that like this number will call and then if you don't pick up, it will leave a voicemail for you and it's believed it's coming from hell or even the devil himself. And one reader submitted that their experience was like they were driving home with their friend in the car and their friend received a phone call and the caller ID read 666-666-6666. And they were like, that's weird. And then he made some joke about, oh, like the devil's calling you. But they decided not to pick it up. And several minutes later, they got a new voicemail notification and they listened to it. And the voicemail was like really hard to hear. There was like a lot of static in the background, but there were like a few discernible words, nothing really scary or anything but it was just weird and unsettling and like both of them looked at each other like that was weird like what is that when this guy got home he went to go show his girlfriend the voicemail but it was gone and so was the caller like the call on his call log it was gone like it disappeared it didn't exist and then he later was like i need to find out 
this happened. So he looked at his phone bill and the phone call was gone. It wasn't on his phone bill. Okay, I can't find it in this. I can't find it in the screenshots. But I know it happened. See, I'm curious if it won't be in your screenshots because like the way the call and the log disappears, will your photo of it disappear? Right, because I feel like my mom sent it and was like, ooh, this is creepy. And I swear I've had the same phone call and it might have even left a voicemail. But when numbers are like really weird or I wasn't expecting anything, oftentimes I just delete them without even listening to the voicemail. Oh, I always listen to the voicemail. I'm just like, if they really need me, they'll text me, they'll call me. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Don't leave a voicemail, though. See, I'm the opposite. If they don't leave a voicemail, then I'm like, okay, block this number. But if they leave a voicemail, I'm like, okay, well, then they had something to say to me. And I listen to the voicemail. Look at that. There's another phone number. It's the number 666. And it's said that if you call that number, you will contact the devil. And also, there are tons of YouTube videos on this of people trying to call these numbers. There's like a bunch of YouTube videos. And like most people don't get anything when they call 666, but others have heard like eerie music. Some have heard satanic noises, which I don't really know what that means. I think maybe like screams of torture and like Latin, like a lot of oh. Dominus ex condi. I don't know. That's not a real word. I took Latin. I should know that. <laughs> Just say the titles of all of our episodes, the Dominus <laughs> and then Venviti Vici or whatever. Yep. Yep. There we go. All our knowledge. Another number that's said to be cursed is the number 9999999. And there's an urban legend in Thailand that if you call this number, you can make a wish and that wish will be granted and you'll be really like living up your life, get your wish, which sounds great, right? But no, because soon after you get your wish, you will die. And not just like a nice peaceful death, but like a horrible freak accident death. So that's like people in Thailand are very fearful of that phone number. The next number is less of a specific number and more of like a general warning because and I've never seen this before, so I had to like Google a few images, but basically there's these phone numbers that you'll get a phone call and it will show up in red text on your screen, like the number will be red rather than, you know, usually it says like call from and it's white font. But sometimes there are these numbers that show up in red font. It's basically said to be a cursed phone number. So don't answer it. So there, this is like more of a thing that happened in Pakistan, but there was this panic that kind of occurred in Pakistan because a bunch of people were picking up these phone calls and they would hear a high frequency signal that would cause them to have a brain hemorrhage and die. What? And there was like reports of dozens of people being killed oh this way. Oh my god. Is it uh, is it geographical or was it all over the place? Do you know? It sounds like it was in Pakistan. Okay. But I don't I can't confirm. But just as a warning, don't answer phone calls that come from oh, a number okay. that's in red. The next phone number is zero nine zero four 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 four. It's known as Sadeko's number in Japan. And if you call it, you're supposed to hear some strange and creepy noise. And it's very similar to the ring because if you call this number, you will die within a week. You have seven days. <laughs> and actually, some people say this phone number was actually set up to promote the ring. But who knows? I'm not willing to call it to test it out and find out. No, thank you. There's like a bunch of numbers that like are set up for video games and stuff and just have like creepy messages on the other end of the line. And it's just like I have no desire to call them. For any, just on that slim chance that this curse, these curses that they say come Mm -hmm. with them of like the dying in seven days are real, I don't want to. No, thank you. No, thank you. Now, there is a number that's been verified that like 100% was made to set up a movie. It was for the movie Carrie, and the number was 1207 404 2604. And was basically at the end of the movie trailer, it said, 
call Carrie. And it had the number listed. And when you called the number, like you would call the number and hang up and then you'd get a different number call you back three times and they'd leave three different voicemails. So like the first voicemail was just like someone screaming, like a horrified scream. And then the second one is like a spooky singing, like, and the third one was like scary whispering, like, I'm going to get you scary. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Should we bring I that didn't into our, I'm just making our p- Patreon tears? You'll get three voicemails from Sabrina. She'll do some weird ass <laughs> voice in one of them. It's horrifying. Honestly, that sounds fun. I'd be stupid not to do that. <laughs> but also it sounds complicated. Like how do you even set it up to so that if someone calls one number, a different number calls you back three different times with three different voicemails? It seems like a lot of engineering that I don't know. I kind of want to do it. Should we do it right now and play it? You want to call the number? Because we know it's for a movie. You can call. Okay. Do you think it's still set up? Well, let's find out. You're going to uh, – random. what if someone random answers? Well, then I'll say hello. You're on Two Girls, One Ghost no. podcast. What is your I'm ghost story? Okay, I'm calling. My shame is kicking in. Welcome to Verizon uh, oh. Your call as Shoot. Nope. All right. All right. I guess it's not an operation anymore. But it's a main number. Hmm. Maybe too many people got scared by it and they had to cancel it. Okay. Another rumored to be cursed phone number is the number one zero 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 zero. And apparently, if you call it, you will hear a male's voice that tells you you must call 15 other people and tell them about the phone number. And if you do not, you will die. Just tell them about it. You don't have to actually make them call. I guess not. So it's like a pyramid scheme. Okay. It's like our podcast pyramid scheme. All right. Uh, please go to podcast and type in uh, number two and then one and then ghost. And then <laughs> we should get a phone Until number. 15 friends. Oh, we should. That would be fun. That would be fun. 1-800-GHOSTS. It's like uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Who are you going to call? Two girls, one ghost. (laughs) Not on the same wavelength today. It's fine. We usually are. Um, Okay. There's another phone number that – this just seemed like the fun, like, little thing to do as a kid in the UK in the 1970s. It kind of is like Bloody Mary when you have friends over and you go, like, slumber party and go into the bathroom and call for Bloody Mary. But so there was this legend that if you went into the pay phones in the UK, there's, like, this free number that you could call. And a woman would answer and she'd be like, help me, help me, Susie's dying, help me. And she would say like over and over and it would get like creepier and creepier each time she said it. And like kids would like cram into the phone boxes together and dial the number and she would answer and she would like speak so slowly and monotonously and everyone was like so terrified of her. They'd go running and it was just like this urban legend that like if you called her like like, you have to try and help Susie. Who's Susie? Someone's dying, you know? And, like, Kit just did it to freak each other out, which is I fun. wonder if it's collective, if it's everyone together who calls, or if it's just the responsibility of the person who punched in the number. I don't know. What if you tag team punch it in? Is everyone responsible then? <sighs> Probably shared responsibility. You're co-parenting Sally now. The, Susie. Susie, <laughs> shit. God, now you have two kids. Damn. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> okay, this number really freaked me out. And it kind of reminds me of the Hope Diamond a little bit because this is a phone number that people actually used. It was like in circulation in Bulgaria. It's no longer in operation. And you'll understand why after I tell you. So the phone number was slash is 0888-888-888. 
and it's believed to be cursed. And I am going to go ahead and say, yep, it is cursed because according to the history of the phone number, anyone and everyone who was assigned that number died a horrible death. And that's why it was taken out of service. So within the span of five years, three different people were assigned the number and all three of them died in tragic ways. I wonder how they pieced that together because you'd think of the telephone company, they probably aren't really looking into the patterns of numbers. Right. Who gets what and what happens to what? I think part of it comes from the first person who had the phone number worked for that phone company and the other two are notable figures in Bulgaria. Oh, okay. They had a very easy phone number. A lot of people could contact them. That's probably not what you want if you're higher profile or trying to keep a low profile. Or maybe it is what you want because it's, I don't know, because people don't think those numbers really exist. I don't know. Anyway. So the first death took place on October 9th, 2001. His name was Vladimir Groshnov. He was the first owner of this phone number, and he was actually a mobile phone company executive called MobileTel, and it's the company that owned this phone number. So Vladimir was just 48 years old when he wound up in the hospital and died of a very extreme case of cancer that he had no idea he had. So he showed up to the hospital with like symptoms and had and found out that he had very progressed cancer that they never caught or he didn't even know he had symptoms of until it was too late and he died. So tragic. And some people believe the cancer was brought on by a rival business that used radioactive poison to attack Vladimir. I feel like that's just a rumor. extreme. Yeah. And then so when Vladimir died, the phone number went back into circulation and winded up in the hands of a Bulgarian mobster, Konstantin Smokvesta Dimitrov. Konstantin was born on November 21st, 1970, in the town of Samokov, which is why his nickname is as is. And by the age of 33, he was one of the most notorious mobsters in Bulgaria's world of organized crime. He worked his way up the ranks of an insurance slash security company, which is basically just like a front for a crime ring. And he became one of the biggest drug smugglers in the country. And in early 2002, Constantine was assigned that number, 0888888888. And on December 6, 2003, Constantine was gunned down in Amsterdam and shot and killed outside of the Amsterdam Diamond Center. And now you're thinking, okay, like that's two deaths of people with a phone number. Could be a coincidence. And Constantine worked in like a dangerous career. But like once you get to the number three, the coincidence factor kind of is like, no, this is a legit thing. So after Constantine's murder, the phone number went back into circulation and was assigned to another Constantine. But this guy's name was Constantine Dishliev. He was a 28-year-old businessman and a real estate entrepreneur, and on May 14th of 2005, Dishalev was shot and killed in front of a restaurant. So that is a third person who was killed while using this. Wow. And there are some rumors that say that this third guy, Dishalev, Dishalev, sorry, I'm not saying that right, was running a cocaine ring and was shot after $130 million worth of his product was taken from him by police. But even if it's like, okay, yeah, they worked in dangerous careers and there could be just like a they had that phone number and then also worked this dangerous lifestyle and were murdered i wouldn't want to take the chances with that phone number it's not worth the risk and i think the company thought the same thing that's why they took it out of service and also there are a lot of people on youtube who try to call this phone number and like some people say it's still in service and there's like some athlete in bulgaria who has it and everyone's like now worried that this bulgarian athlete's gonna die but then a lot of the YouTube videos I watched, the phone number just went to like a not in service thing. So I don't know. Does it affect anyone who calls it or just those who own it? Just those who own it. That's good. You could try that one. Anyone? 
Anyone and everyone. Anyone want to try it? Okay. This one is creepy. So there's a phone number you can call. It's 407-734-0254. And a clown named Wrinkles will answer. Wrinkles? Yeah. It's a like clown. Like my dog's name? Wrinkles? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a clown. Wrinkles And he lives in Naples, or? Florida. <laughs> a killer clown. Is he what? I said my dog Wrinkles dressed as a clown. <laughs> I wish I could say that for you, but this is a creepy okay. clown. And he lives in Naples, Florida. And if you're willing to pay a couple hundred bucks and his travel expenses, Wrinkles will show up wherever you want him to. To a party, to scare a friend, to scare your children, to show up your home late at night when you least expect it and to kill you. He doesn't do that, but he will show up wherever you want him to. So this is just someone's side hustle. It's just a really weird one. Yeah. So this guy, apparently he's like very, he won't tell anyone who he really is, but he's told a newspaper that he's in his 60s and he's originally from Rhode Island and he's retired in Florida now, but no one knows who he is. And I'm concerned because it's a weird thing to do. And like he advocates for like scaring children and teaching them lessons. And it's like, why do you want to go scare children so badly, Mr. Wrinkles? Are, why did you flee from Rhode Island? What? Who are you? If we knew your real name, would we be able to look you up and realize that you're a predator? Yeah, and it's also it's risky in and of itself just to be a, just to be anyone who works in a position where they are called into situations that they're not prepared for. So on Wrinkles the Clown side of things, maybe he's paid airfare to go out to Kansas and go to a remote part of the woods, but. Th- what if he gets attacked himself? Like, that's scary, too. Oh, so you're concerned about wrinkles. I'm concerned about everyone here. This seems like a bad the idea. scenario. I agree. I don't want any part of it. Sketch. Eat. Find a different job. Go get, go work at Crate and Barrel. Something wonderful and lovely. Or just, you're retired, man. Enjoy it. Just live your life. Is he retired? He's in his 60s. Do people retire yeah, he said in he's retired. That's all he said. Or do you have to work until you're 90? You can, well, hopefully, the dream is to retire. Yeah, I think for our generation, though, might be a little different. Oh, God. I want to retire now. <laughs> right now. Okay, the last legend, I will say, it's called the Red Room phone number. And no one really knows what number it is exactly. There's like a bunch of different rumors. There's, and then you can look on Reddit. There's tons of different numbers that they think are the Red Room numbers. But it's so creepy because it's, legend is that if you call this red room number it has whoever's on the other end has the ability to track your location and that within like minutes to hours or however long it takes for them to track you or however far they are they will come and kidnap you from that location and take you into the like throw you into the back of a truck and blindfold you and then you'll come to in this like dark red room and you'll be tortured and killed and it's all recorded and broadcast live on the dark web that's so messed up yeah. And so there's like tons of legends about it and tons of like different like theories of numbers. But apparently there's this like organization that does it, which reminds me of like the Halloween things that people do nowadays. And it's weird where you can like sign a contract and like pay someone to kidnap you and torture you. And you have to get your boss at work and like your family members to sign off on it, like, proving that like you can get kidnapped at any time. Yes. I don't think they can torture you. I think it is. It's like legit like psychological, like you you get trapped in places. Yeah, maybe like, like that. Maybe but they're not sticking like needles in your brain. No, 
like I don't think they could damage you, but they can definitely they like, can stick you in enclosed spaces and leave you there for probably twenty four hours. Yeah, so creepy. Yeah, they do. Yeah, isn't there a company that even involves? It's super expensive, I presume, based on the equipment they use. But I I know that there are some that have like just a huge team of people who will kidnap you and put you in a helicopter like all of this stuff it's like living out a real movie yeah i imagine being a lawyer for a company like that is quite stressful yes i imagine that's not an ideal job for a lawyer though it might be exciting at times maybe maybe their company parties are just filled with everyone kidnapping one every <laughs> single company party it's just a surprise who's gonna get kidnapped at this party or it's like, in order to bring a guest, you have to kidnap them. Oh, my God. See, these are terrible <laughs> ideas. We should not broadcast this. No, yeah. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Well, yeah, don't call any of these numbers, but those are all those are all like cursed and haunted phone numbers. Oh, my goodness. That's so scary. Yeah. I never, ever thought about – I thought about phones being manipulated and there are those scary movies about things coming through your phone, but I never thought about the right. actual number that's assigned to – your phone or to right. a, an entity? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. So you really don't want to sense misdial. though because no, be careful. Be careful with that. You don't want to dial six 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 and reach the devil no. himself. I think you'd probably know if you were typing in that number, but some of those other ones are real risky. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. Our friend Freya misdialed a number once. She ended up accidentally. Okay, this is a great story. Yeah, she accidentally called into a radio station and won a cruise. <laughs> like, who does that happen Freya. to? Freya. That's who it happens to. That's not that real. That always happens That's to so her. That's so funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Whereas if it happened to us, it would probably be we accidentally called a cursed number and someone was coming for us. Yeah, and then we'd go on, a, on the run and try to protect each other. This would be a great it, horror movie. It's like it follows again seven years later and I'm still scarred. <laughs> But we'll work together. We got each other. Okay. First, we have to meet. What's exactly in the middle of California and Boston? I have no idea. Me neither. Are we both going Let's and look looking it up? Of U.S. Oops. Let's see. Because we have to go at an angle. So we're a diagonal. So like Nebraska. Is it Nebraska? Kansas. Hmm. Kind of. Looks like to meet halfway, we're, we're probably crossing through... Maybe Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, that like little corner somewhere over there. All right. Okay. I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. Just fi- in the find me in the corner. Okay. I'll where find the, you in the three corner. states meet. <laughs> oh, that's not going to be difficult to find you. <laughs> in the exact precise they have location. Find my friends. I'm going on satellite okay. images to see where that location is. And it appears to be uh, kind of in a... It's populated, but there's some wood. Oh, right here. It's a tri-state marker. Sabrina, this would be so oh. easy. Okay, we'll find there's a On Google Images, the first picture, if you click on the tri-state marker, is a sweet little dog just sitting on the oh. on the little placemat, whatever it's called. All right. Beautiful. Where I'm in. What if I don't make it to you because the phone number person's like already the got me? The killer clown got you first. Oh, God, not the killer clown, not Wrinkles the Clown. <laughs> wow. Okay, so many things we don't want to do now, which is missed alpha yep. phone numbers, your own 
dollar stolen diamonds. <laughs> Listener stories. Listener stories. This is called High School Theater Lock-In. Dun, dun, dun. And it is from our listener, Ooh. Lisa. Hello again, ghostesses. I was listening to your latest episode this morning, episode 39, Waiting for Godost. <laughs> we thought we were so clever. That was all you, Corinne. That was the one pun that I've ever been proud of. Episode 39, Waiting for Godost, when I was both excited that you were talking about theaters and bummed that I hadn't mentioned my theater ghost stories in my previous email to you. I apologize for the wordiness, but then again, those are the best episodes to listen to. So sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) A quick note about our theater. It was a separate building in another part of town, an old part of town, known for its dark lore of baby snatchers by the bridge back in the 1800s and creepy wanderers who roam around the theater park and ghost sightings all throughout the town. Damn. If you ask any kid... Okay. She sends sort of like three separate stories all pertaining to this theater. And the first one is Piano Man in the Green Room. If you ask any theater kid, every theater has a room which is lovingly referred to as the green room, where the cast and crew Mm -hmm. relax between acts during rehearsal and in their off time on a show day. In our green room, there were a few couches, a brand new mini fridge, and an old piano. Every once in a while during breaks, we'd all be in our dressing rooms or in the green room itself when someone would sit at the piano and play whatever they knew, whether it be chopsticks, heart and soul, smoke on the water, Linus and Lucy, etc., Not so weird, right? But how about when there's no one backstage? There were many times during rehearsals when we were told to stop for a minute because someone was playing piano during a scene. Our director would tell one of us to go back there and tell whoever it was to stop playing the piano. And one time when this happened, (laughs) I went back to stop the piano player. But when I opened the green room door, there was no one there. I went to open the other green room door, which led to the scene shop. People often use that as a route from one side of the stage to the other when the backstage area was too crowded. But when I tried to open that door, it was locked. There was no way anyone had been in the green room when the piano was playing. During one rehearsal, our director got so fed up with the piano, believing that we were all covering for each other playing it, that he (laughs) rolled it into the lobby where none of us would have access to it during rehearsal. Nonetheless, the music played on. Spooky! Wow, I love that. All right, this one is titled, Never Speak of the Scottish Play. If you're not aware, it is a well-known curse to speak the name of Macbeth within a theater. Is it? I didn't know that. Um, The cursed play. If it is spoken, your show is cursed. Well, rehearsals for my final show, a musical of my senior year, We had a non-believer among us in the cast, and he decided it'd be hilarious to watch us freak out as he proclaimed his love for Macbeth two days before the opening night. We told him, begged him to walk the perimeter of the theater once and name aloud three different Shakespeare plays. If you can't tell, theater people are very superstitious about stuff like this. He thought it'd be even funnier to humor us a little, so he walked the perimeter of the theater and slowly named two plays by William Shakespeare, when it came time to name a third, and he yelled, Macbeth. After this happened, shit went nuts. First, one of our dance captains hurt her ankle during rehearsal mm. for a tap number. Next, our lead actress got bronchitis. Bronchitis! 
Oh my god. Third, we experienced a power outage that lasted from the afternoon before opening night until 30 minutes before we opened the doors to the public. We kept asking him to please take this seriously and undo what's been done, but he refused. I would have kicked him out of the play. Fuck you. Yeah, that's deserving. Finally, just as we were coming back from intermission, everyone backstage began choking and coughing. We were all chugging water while some of our tech crew tried to find the source of the problem. It seems that our brand new mini fridge had been leaking freon and some kind of sulfuric gas sulfur what coincidence i think not the second act Whoa. was a disaster we sounded awful we felt nauseous and pushed through as best as we could to get it all over with the next night we showed up for our call time and finally convinced the bonehead to reverse the curse he walked to the perimeter and named three plays our dance captain was still dealing with a swollen ankle our lead was still dealing with bronchitis, and the rest of us were all getting over our nausea, but we considered it a success since no additional catastrophes came to pass. So when people ask me wow. if I believe in this curse, what do you think my answer is? Heck, Heck yes. yes. All right, and the last theater experience is called Theater Lock-In. At the end of my senior year of high school, a bunch of my fellow senior drama club members and I convinced the theater owner to let us stay the night. Locked in our beloved theater for the last hurrah. We claimed that it was just to spend one last time in the theater together as classmates and castmates. This was mostly true, but we really wanted to wrangle up some of the ghosts. There were a few in particular that we wanted to see. Number one, the piano man. Number two, the chorus line. Number three, tech booth Tim. You remember the piano man from the first story? Shockingly, we didn't get anything from him that night. He must have been on tour or something. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus line is what we lovingly call the sound of many footsteps that can be heard on stage when no one is there. At the beginning of the night, we didn't touch the stage. We all sat in the audience, hanging out, talking about the past four years, when suddenly we'd hear what sounded like multiple people rushing from one side of the stage to the other. This happened randomly through the night, but never making the same sound. Sometimes it would be heavy and rushed. Sometimes it sounded like dancing in unison. And sometimes it sounded like marching. The Whoa. creepiest of these happened when we all laid our sleeping bags out on the stage. My friend Hannah threw open her sleeping bag as she stood in front of it. Out of nowhere, she yells and jumps forward as if someone had goosed her butt. What the hell just happened? <laughs> One of us asked. Someone just ran behind me, she said, shaken. Even when we were all laying there at the end of the night to sleep, we could hear the walking all around us. No, that's not I don't know when the walking stopped because because I had somehow fallen asleep a bit later. Tech Booth Tim is a drama club favorite. Whenever something goes awry with lights or sound during rehearsal, someone in the casting crew always joking, jokingly yells out, Tim, knock it off. Hmm. One time, our stage manager needed help from John, our tech director. She saw him in the window of the tech booth and left the backstage area, walked across the stage to the back of the house where the booth was only to find that it was completely empty. She buzzed yep. for him on the walkie-talkie for his location, and holy crap, he was backstage the entire time. Who did she see in the booth then? Tech booth Tim, perhaps? On the night of our lock-in, a few of us saw Tim's silhouette in the booth window a few times. When my friend Daniel mm -hmm. started talking about Tim and how he's never seen him, the stage lights slowly began to turn up. Daniel's eyes were huge, and I laughed as I said, Tim, knock it off, and the lights turned on to full brightness. 
Hannah wow. ran up. To, oh, I've got chills. It's scary. <laughs> Hannah ran up to the booth and saw no one. We told her to turn the dimmer down on the lights and the lights stayed on and she walked back to us. When we asked her why she didn't turn the lights off, she said that they were already off. Oh my gosh, Tim. For some reason, my stupid high school brain decided to challenge Tim. I said, if you don't turn those lights back off, and the lights flickered but remained just as bright, we're going to tell the rest of the actors not to talk to you anymore. And the lights dimmed slowly until they were eventually completely off. Ah. Aw, he just wants some fun activity. I still keep in contact with the drama directors, and I guess there are still some crazy things that go on. The students still get pranked by tech booth Tim. And serenaded by the piano man. Luckily, no one Aww. since dared speak the name of the Scottish play yet. See you on the other side, Lisa. Oh, I love Tech Booth Tim. Tech Booth Tim. I love him too. So and the great. piano man. Yeah. I feel like aside from that whole Macbeth curse, all the ghosts there are very pleasant. They're just some other theater kids, some theater lovers just... Having a few more shining moments in the the place that brought them so much joy. Honestly, it makes me wish that I did like a theater lock-in with my theater friends in high school. We did a bunch of like – because when you do Hell Week, which is like crew week basically, like the week before you go on stage and like do like actual live shows, you're there for like ridiculous hours. So we would like spend really long hours there, but I wish we had slept there. That would be so cool. You probably wouldn't sleep at all though. I'm sure it's terrifying. I know. Also – uh, we had plenty of sleepovers outside of the theater and we didn't sleep because we were just like nerdy theater kids who just like drink and like sick and dance. <laughs> All right. What do you have for us? Okay. This is from Jermaine and it's called Just an Urban Legend or Was It Real? Hello, ladies. My name is Jermaine, and I first of all want to say thank you for making this podcast. You guys definitely keep me entertained when I'm having a slow day at work or when I'm stuck in traffic on my way home from work. Anyway, I have a few stories to tell you. Up to you if you guys want to read them out loud. My first story, I was maybe five or six years old and I was living in the Philippines at the time. I now live in California. Anyway, my parents, brother, and I were visiting our family on my mom's side in a province called Pangasinan. There's an urban legend story that when the sun sets, you are not allowed to eat outside because the dwarves, or the duendes as they're called, will get mad at you if you do so and don't offer them your food. My family had a Sari Sari store, which is basically like a liquor store that sells basically like a liquor store that's literally five feet away from the house. And it's my family's liquor store. I remember one day I went inside to the store to get an ice candy, which is basically like a popsicle. And as I stepped outside the store, my aunt scolded me and told me not to open the ice candy and to come inside the house and eat it in there. Me being a child who didn't listen, I opened the bag and started eating the ice candy while I was walking back inside the house because like I said, the store was literally five feet, maybe less away from the house. I didn't see the point. Mind you, it was already dark outside at this time, and nothing happened to me for the rest of the night. But the next day, I remember waking up with a really high fever for no reason. I barely got sick, let alone a really high fever out of nowhere. I remember laying on the couch, and I was trying to open my eyes, but I couldn't, and I felt as if I was like comatose. I remember feeling like a hair follicle was stuck, and I could not move it. I don't know. It was a really weird feeling. I barely remember the rest of what happened that day, except the crucial part. My family called in an... Albanario, which is a witch doctor. I remember him making me a drink of one or two raw eggs, and he did some chanting, and he had filled a bowl with water and lit a candle. He let the candle wax drip to the bowl of water while chanting 
with his eyes closed, and all of a sudden, he stopped. There, inside the bowl of water, formed three shapes of men. He called them the Duendes that put a curse on me. After that, he brought up the reasons why the Duendes had cursed me. One, they were angry with me because a few days back, my cousins and I tried smoking a cigarette because we saw our grandma doing it and thought it was cool and wanted to try it out, which we quickly learned it was nasty AF. We just threw the cigarette away on the floor instead of throwing it in the trash. Two, I ate the ice candy and did not offer them anything. I don't remember what happened after that. This incident was quickly forgotten and my parents, brother, and I had moved to California in 2002. I was 10 years old. It wasn't until 2014 that this incident was once again brought up. In 2014, I started a new job in Van Nuys, California, and one of my coworkers had been going to the psychic who works down the street from our job. She wanted me to go, and since I've never been, I decided, why not? I'll give it a shot. I didn't believe that these things did anything, so I just went for fun. Anyway, I just went inside, and all I did was say hello, sat down, watch her shuffle cards. She made me separate half of the stack card with my left hand and then she began spreading the first three rows of cards on her table and she read my past like she knew me for years what stuck out most you might ask she mentioned that i was cursed at a young age yeah my eyes grew in fear and quickly realized that experience was real she said that i'm a very introverted person which is true i don't like to socialize with people especially people i don't know and she told me that i was cursed to be alone for the rest of my life she told me that if i continue to be the way i am socially it will come true i tried reaching out to my family who were involved in the ritual with the witch doctor in hopes that they could refresh my memory on what went down but none of them have spoken to me about it it's like they're keeping it a secret my second story is It was me, my second cousin, Mill, who I've changed their names, and Ruth were all hanging out in Mill and I's bedroom. We shared a room together and our brothers shared a room of their own. Mill and her brother's mom is my first cousin and she was taking care of her two children, including my brother and I, in the same house. Anyway, Mill, Ruth, and I were talking about deja vu. And keep in mind, we're roughly around the age of seven or eight years old and we knew nothing about deja vu. And we were living in the Philippines at this time still. Ruth wanted to do a prayer to reach out to the spirits to see why we keep seeing the things that we've seen before, or at least thought we've seen before. She made us hold hands and started praying when all of a sudden we hear three knocks on the window. The window in our room is a French-style window, so it had room for us to put our toys and dolls on the window. We all opened our eyes and looked by the window, hoping to see one of our brothers messing with us, but all we saw was a doll's hand move up and down. We ran out of the room so fast, yelling and screaming, I think I threw that doll away after that. Then, a while later, it was Mill's brother's birthday, and his friends were outside hanging out, and Mill and I had a crush on our brother's friend, so as little girls, we hid in our brother's room and looked outside the window, talking to each other about our crushes, when we hear three scratches from the cabinet above their bed. The cabinet was big enough for clothes to be hung, and if there was a person in there, the cabinet would have just fallen because it was attached to the wall. We ran out of the room so fast when Mill's mom disregarded what had happened to us. We got the courage to go back in the room and open the cabinet. There were no rats, no signs of insects, or anything that could have caused the scratches. We even tried to scratch the inside of the cabinet, and it sounds exactly the same as what we heard. But nothing happened from there on. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. Take care always with much love, Jermaine. Wow. It's interesting that curses often come with fevers. People people have such a yeah. – it's not just about, like, luck, but oftentimes when an individual is cursed, that one person, one of the earlier signs is a fever. Because it's interesting because your body doesn't know how to react to it, right? It's similar to, like, a virus or an infection. Yeah. Your body wants to fight it's it. an attack on your soul. Could you imagine, like, being so unconscious by a curse that you wake up and there's, like, this witch doctor performing some, like – 
ritual on you and you're so confused and you can't really move because you're and so then sick. in the bowl there are shapes of men who would put the curse on yeah. you why 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 did these people do this it's so because he didn't share his popsicle and he smoked a cigarette and left it out on the ground i know but like that's not a good reason that's insane she's just a little child yeah but so freaky so freaky wow and then the scrap the three scratches and yeah, it sounds like the house that she was growing up in in the Philippines definitely had a lot of paranormal surrounding it, whether it was like these duendes or just like entities in general. Right. Maybe it's maybe it is even the, the little dwarves. The Philippines are, is for sure super haunted. And actually, I was yeah. just at dinner with our friend Jeff, whose family's from Hong Kong, and then our friend Eric, who's from Taiwan. And they were both saying they were like, Asia has the craziest ghost stories. He's talking, they were both talking about all of the different things that we should look up and focus on because there's just so much. Yeah. Oh, we should. We should do a whole episode on that. We unintentionally have before. Oh, really? We both choose. Yeah. Didn't we both do Japanese? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did. That was recent. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But the Philippines, wow. we've had people who've emailed us from the Philippines. We've read Philippine stories before. Yeah. And it just, there's there's a lot going on i think also they embrace it they they very strongly believe in the paranormal and so they are cautious with it which is why jermaine's family was like warning jermaine not to eat the ice pop outside oh my gosh can you imagine the fear being a little kid and having your parents be like don't do this or that because you will provoke evil and spirits to come after you things that you can't see or control so scary well, if you guys have ghost stories or stories of curses or if you've called cursed phone numbers, which I hope you haven't, don't do it after this. But if you've done it before, email all of that to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We can't wait to read it. If you have any uh, Halloween traditions, go to bucket list items. If you have costumes that you've been or are planning to be or just want someone else to be, share them in our Facebook group, email them to us, whatever. We're going to start since it's now October, we're going to start, you know, putting some of the the spooky ideas out there for everybody to share. Yep. And thank you to Eric Foster at Upfire Digital for editing this episode and all of our Sunday episodes. We truly appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. You can support us on Patreon. You can support us by buying merchandise and repping us out, out as you walk around or lounge in your own bedroom listening to Two Girls mm-hmm. One Ghost. The comfort of your own home. <laughs> um, You can rate and review on iTunes. Did I already say that? I don't know what I said anymore. Me neither. Well, and we will see, see you on the other, other side. side. Very spooky.